Hey, I'm Mason King, host of the IBJ Podcast. And before we get into this week's episode, I want to tell you about the newest podcast from IBJ Media called Off the Record with the Indiana 250. In each episode, IBJ Media CEO Nate Feldman talks with a different leader on the Indiana 250 list of the state's most influential leaders. They discuss their vision for Indiana's future, their experiences in business, and their advice for other aspiring entrepreneurs. New episodes are released on select Thursdays. So go subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform so you can never miss an episode. Just search the Indiana 250 off the record. Thanks. This is the IBJ podcast for the week of November 20th, 2023, brought to you by Taft. I'm your host, Mason King. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. We're entering the holiday season, of course, and that critical six-week period in which we are encouraged to indulge in conspicuous consumption. My wife and I have it circled on our calendar since our goal this year is to keep from exceeding our modest budget. So, my plan for this week's episode of the podcast was to ask our regular contributor, Pete Dunn, a.k.a. Pete the Planner, how we could avoid going into the red this year. As usual, he has the bigger picture in mind. So this week, we are going to talk about the five things everyone should know about their financial life. And knowing those should help give you the grounding and confidence you need to guide your shorter-term budgeting decisions. And Pete and I still managed to talk a bit about how to deal with the unwelcome revelation that you and your family are spending more money than you're making. Spoiler alert, this revelation came about after my wife and I did a line-by-line examination of our credit card and debit card purchases. So, here's our conversation. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the podcast, Pete Dunn, a.k.a. Pete the Planner. How are you and how was your fall? Oh, it's Thanksgiving season, which is the best season. Favorite holiday by far. So I am uh, I'm in a mood. As you'll see, I'm in a good mood, but an introspective mood these days. Okay, I get it. Hey, last time you were on the show, uh, I was on vacation. That was the best show I've ever been on. And I just want to know, how did it go? Is everything <laughs> that okay? Was great. I'm glad I'm, Leslie's phenomenal. You know this. Yes, Leslie is phenomenal. <laughs> Don't be no. a hostage. Just you know. no, no, she, yeah, absolutely. Is. She's the best, one of the best bosses I've ever had. Yes. Uh, and weirdly, you know, we uh, we started our careers at exactly the same time and, and exactly the same place. And so now she's my boss, which is fine because I don't want right. to be the boss. But hey, before we get started, I've got a little bit of a prelude for you. This is financial related. Hmm. So my family and I were on vacation. We came back with a couple of days left. So my wife and I started going over our finances, right? Quick checkup, see how things are going. We quickly discovered we are spending more than we're bringing in. Oh, you're an American. Uh, I'm an American. That's right. Hey, congrats. It's the American way. And maybe a better way to say that is we were, we're spending more than we had budgeted because I am socking away a ton of money into my 401k. And then on top of that, there's a direct deposit that goes into a Roth IRA. My wife is saving money. But when you factor all the money that we have, that we're saving, we're spending too much uh, and slowly eating in the, the emergency expenses or emergency savings. 
So we went through our checking and credit card statements line by line. I've done this. To figure out where we're spending money unnecessarily. And my first question is, was that a good idea? Well, because it didn't seem like it at the time. Here's what I know. Someone got exposed. Who's been going to Panera like four times a week? It's always something like that. It's oh, dude, you guessed it already. You go to uh, Chick-fil-A six days a week. Like, what is it? Can't be seven. (laughs) Who is it? It's you, isn't it? You go to, uh, here's what, I bet you go to Chipotle three times a week or Jimmy John's. Is that it? I can't believe I'm that transparent. Well, I mean, I was I was going to like ask you to guess what like, my first the big rodeo. revelation was. <laughs> yeah, we are on cam here. I can tell you've been hitting some fast food. What's worse, what's, <laughs> what's bad is number one, my wife has like has some moral grounds on which she does not agree with Chick Fil A. Yeah, and well. but you know, there's one literally right around the corner. Uh, I have several friends of upstanding moral fiber who do like going to Chick Fil A, so we do eat there quite a bit, including yeah, Chipotle. Yeah. Yeah, so the the big revelation was I am spending way too much just eating out when I'm downtown working, which is all the time. Yep. So here's one of my questions for you. Do you have any tips for handling this negotiation between married people? Like there's some things that I feel like are necessary expenses my wife does not think are, and then vice versa. One of us spends $600 a year on haircuts. I won't say which one. And I'm like, wow, that's a lot. You know, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. But, and of course, you know, I've spent thousands and thousands of dollars on unnecessary fast food. You got any kind of like tips for, you know, dealing with the negotiation? First off, if you paid more than $12 for what I'm looking at right now as a haircut, you're getting robbed. Well, I, since we had a discussion, <laughs> I'm on the lifetime ban on haircuts. Yeah. No. Um, okay. Here's the thing. Where you're talking about is accountability, Mason. Like, you know, like that that's the that's the nature of it. So people like to run from the friction and the conflict that comes from being exposed as a Chick-fil-A fanboy. However, it's that level of accountability that is uncomfortable. And I would also suggest that if you can bear the first few instances of that, that accountability turns into better results. And I i mean, I'll, that's just a lesson from business. I'm not a relationship expert, so I will not go there. But I'll just say the more my executive team and, and, and holds each other accountable, the better we get. And I'll tell you, those first few times you try it, not fun, not fun. You, you got to take everyone to Chick-fil-A to cheer them up. So I would say with this, you are in a situation which uh, it's a very good thing. The fact that you both have to uncomfortably reveal your financial uh preferences okay not so, the best answer that you wanted but it is the best answer no and i look i'm already being accountable um i have drastically cut back on eating out you mostly by bringing food from home which you know something that i did during school for 17 years but had gotten out of the habit of we're headed into the end of the holiday shopping season of course this is a time of year that i justify spending way too much money And I figured out a way that I can keep from doing that. And that is get all my shopping done before Thanksgiving. I've done that before. I currently haven't done that, but I've done it before. Right. Because I realized I'm spending way too much money on gifts that are basically bailout gifts because I didn't have anything set up, you know, until two days before Christmas. And then it turns into like a $200 gift certificate at Applebee's, partially because I feel bad. (laughs) 
Was that and humor? It's not for me. Okay. No, none of this. If it's anything's humorous, it's not intentional. Okay. That's. <laughs> I just want to put, that, put that down as a blanket. Stand. That's a lot of riblets baskets. You know what yeah, I mean? I know. A lot. Yeah. So that's, unfortunately, you know, that's the go-to gift. The gift. Sure. So anyway, so that is, that's how I'm trying. And also, you know, the shipping, you got to get something shipped at the last second. That's a problem too. So there you go. That's my first ever tip uh, on our podcast together. Financial tip. If you agree, we'll stick with it. So I'm also going to guess you're not going to be doing a holiday gifting episode where you're telling men how to shop for their families. Is that my, I don't think that's common. No. Yeah. Okay. Oh my God, I'm not going to tell people what to do. That's your no, job. No, 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 no. But speaking of, I do have some tips on to people what people should do today. Okay. Yeah. No. Let's 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 get into what you want to talk about. And, and I want I want to tell everybody at home. Well, this is not always the case. Today, it is the case. I am not really sure what we're talking about. Uh, so I'm going to be learning right along with everybody else. I love this. I will. I promise to deliver to you. I mean. Not a, a a number one with waffle fries and Chick-fil-A sauce, but I think you'll be pleased nonetheless. Okay. That's getting tiresome, by the way. All right. It will never get tired. Here we go. The five things everyone should know about their financial life. That's five things everyone should know about their second. financial life. We've been doing this for five years, and now you're telling me <laughs> there are five things. There are just five things that we need to know. So here, here's the thing about learning. The more you learn, the more you should be able to distill those learnings down into applicable lessons. And okay. so it has taken me 25 years to come up with this list of things that just five, mind you, not seven or eight, five. And I'm going to deliver them here to you today, my friend. This is great because I can do them on my hand. Sure. Are, are you now? I will say, they're a, they require some work. But if you know these five things, you were walking around. Big statement: more knowledgeable about your financial life than ninety nine percent of people are about their own financial life. If you know these five things, and it will take time to know them, you can walk around with confidence. Well, I like that. I did too. That was good. Yeah. Okay. Well, hit me. Yeah, I'll, and I'll, I'll let you know whether or not I'm anywhere close on these. I'm not sure my caffeine level's at the right place today. I feel like I could use another one. This is not the time to bag out. Let's go. Here we go. And this one is actually what you brought up earlier in the show. So you you actually are almost there. Number one, how much does it cost to live each month? How much does it cost? Like, don't give me a number. I'm this is this is like oh. a, a rhetorical. Because we kind of know we know that now. I know. No one wants to know. I mean, people want to know what what you're you're spending on. But here's the thing. Uh, add up all your bills, a modest amount of discretionary, assign it a number, and you basically, you know, that's my nut, right? That's the that's what I have to earn every single month. Now, here's the trick, Mason. A lot of people, if they're disorganized or don't care to look at these things, if they are money avoidant, as you heard on my podcast with Leslie, the really good one, then what you'll do is you'll say, well, I just spend what I make. And so you'll just go to your income and you'll say, that's what I spend. And that is a bad thing to do. But you need to know that the amount of money you spend regularly. So could you do that? Yeah, yeah I can. That's uh, great. Thank, thanks to, um, you know, the magic of my bank and it giving me, you know, a platform where I can look at all of my expenses uh, via check or credit card. 
but but you know the aggregate number. I yeah I do. Okay. Yeah, I mean the average number I know. And then do you, now I'm asking you questions. I boy have the turntables have turned. Um, do you walk around with that number in your head? Yeah. Does your wife? Oh yeah. <laughs> tone she's, mason tone she, sorry she is she is quite attuned to uh to the figure okay and, and it's good that somebody is that's excellent yeah. that's excellent that is that is great because here's what I, I, I here's what i know if you don't know that number you're gonna guess and guessing is about as a bad thing as you can do in a financial life is to guess or to assume or to as i've said on this show numerous times to figure it out. If you're in the midst of a conundrum and and you say, eh, we'll figure it out, get ready because whatever's next is going to be terrible. Okay. Because okay. people just, people are like, oh, well, I, it's, a, it's a blank check. When you say, I will figure it out, means I'm going to do something stupid and I'll deal with the ramifications later. So if you ever hear yourself, oh, don't worry, we'll figure it out. Bad news. Mm. Yeah, the problem often for me in, in spending is I mean, I get to something that is an extraordinary purchase. It doesn't feel extraordinary. It's just an extra purchase. And I say to myself, you know, we're financially, we're, you know, in good shape. We're both employed. This is fine. If we go over a little bit this month, we'll just make up for it next month. And then I make several of those decisions over the course of the month. Like, oh, we really need to have this. And then boom, there's 50 bucks goes away. First of all, me too. Okay. (laughs) I do that too. But I, my question for you would be, when you say we need this, are you sure it's not I need this? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Or I just like buying things. Okay. That's fair. I, I find myself in the same thing. I'm like, hey, this is going to be an expensive month. But you know what? No worries. Because next month shouldn't be that bad. Then you get into next month and you're like, okay, forgot about that. The yeah. next month will be fine. And then the dishwasher starts making noises like a garbage truck. That seems bad. I'm, I'm not, you, a, <laughs> not a physician, but that seems bad. It's pretty bad. <laughs> okay. All right. So very clear on number one, how much does it cost to live each month? This, by the way, just so you know, is probably the second easiest thing on this list. Right. Okay. Okay. Number two, this one, this, how much monthly income will your current retirement strategy produce at retirement? Uh, so what I'm saying is okay. like right now, if you just stopped, how much is going to be there? How much is going to be there? And what this should do is, for most people, it will identify a gap. You'll go, I'm making numbers up. I'm only going to have $4,800 a month available. I live on $6,800 a month. Somehow, over the next 17 years, I must solve this $2,000 a month gap. Right. Now, this is an incredibly difficult thing to do on my own. You know, there's no way. I don't have the, the brain power to do this. I don't have the time to do this. Now, we have now a financial professional who helps us figure this stuff out. I don't know what to tell anybody other than you probably need to talk to a financial professional to really understand this. I agree. I mean, you know me. I I want I am not I am a financial professional, but I don't do this for a living. But I do want people to talk to a financial advisor. I I will say this. This is probably the most Googleable thing on my list. Really? Google a retirement calculator. You put in how much money you got, how much money you're putting away, give it a rate of return that's reasonable, 
and then give it a year of when you're going to retire. And it will tell you the amount and right. then it should show you what that means in monthly income. Yeah. I mean, I'm aware of that. It's just, you know, I, the rate of return, you know, is very fudgeable and it, it depends on the, the different, you know, vehicles you have your money in. And so, I mean, to really understand that I found we actually did need to have. Can, can I be uh, very aggressive here for a moment? I believe this is one of those things that people will hear and they will go, yeah, yeah, be, that'd be helpful. And then we'll never do it. Yeah. I think about 7% of people who just heard what I said will, will go and do it. I think just as important it is to walk around with the amount of money you spend now, you should walk around at any given time knowing how much money you have already accounted for as it relates to your retirement outcome, uh, income, outcome and income, same thing really at that point. I think people should do that and they won't. And that's a problem. Here's something that for years I sort of used to fudge this. Was it, oh, well, I know I'm going to have social security, which, which of course is kind of a big F, you know, depending on who's going to be in charge of Washington over the next eight years. But I just assume I'm going to have social security, but I don't know exactly how much. I don't know how much my wife is. And so I can just sort of assume a pretty big number there. Yeah, I don't need to worry about it. I, I would say that, uh, there's there's various ways to do this. There's all sorts of little tricks. Like you could say whatever amount of annual income uh, that you have on a regular basis uh, or that you would desire, you need 33, somewhere between 25 to 33 times that amount in assets. Okay, so okay. $100,000 a year, you need somewhere between $2.5 to $3.3 million. How the, what? Whoa, 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 whoa. Like saved? <laughs> and we're invested? Yeah. That, invested? That's, again, these are rules of thumb. They're, they're little, they get a little weird. Uh, I would also say your point about Social Security is fascinating because if yeah. you choose to include Social Security in your calculations, you would know that. You, you, would, you would say, oh, well, $4,500 of my plan comes from Social Security and what my investments done uh, account for another 2000 So that's 6500 That's That's right. a reasonable thing to do if you, in fact, believe you're going to get Social Security. Right. And, you know, allegedly there's a Social Security calendar that will tell you what you can get. I, I have found that just me personally uh, have a lot of trouble accessing that for... I think they lost my social security number or something. I should probably get that. First. Oh, I have it right here. It's three. <laughs> oh, we're not doing that. No. Anybody can go online and find my social security number. So that's yeah, a good point. I will. I will say this: that the uh, SSA.gov will give you that information. Like not not your social security number. It I know. I've tried. You. Yeah, I know. But then they have that new ID system. Verify. <laughs> take a picture of your license and your face. It's wild. Yeah, I've I've had trouble dealing with that. At some point, I'm going to have to actually go to their local office. Okay, but let's keep going. And real quick, the local Social Security offices are amazing. Oh, good. They are. And so everyone's like, oh, I have to go to the Social Security office. In the voice you just used, just there. Yeah. Here's the thing. It's fine. It's actually, they're wonderful people and they're very helpful. Oh, that's great. Okay. Do you know where it is? Okay. Let's take a quick break so we can hear from our sponsor. This is the IBJ Podcast. Taft, today's modern law firm, with more than 800 attorneys in eight primary Midwest markets and the District of Columbia, we provide solutions to the business issues facing middle market and emerging companies alike. We do this through a highly collaborative and inclusive team approach. Taft, the modern law firm. 
To learn more, visit taftlaw.com. All right, we're back with this week's edition of the IBJ Podcast and my interview with Pete the Planner about the five aspects of your financial life that need to be top of mind. Number three, and this one's going to take some time. Oh, no. What is your power percentage? And, you know, if you're like, what? Yeah, this is this is a little much. I came up with this metric a few years ago, dare I say 10 years ago, that I believe to be very effective to know how financially healthy you are. So I, I've talked about it, I think, on the show before. Yeah, I, you've, you've done a, uh, I know, at least one column on it. So if folks want to go to ibj.com and look up, what is it, power percentage? Percentage, percentage yeah. But I'll give the power percentage. Look it up. I'm assuming that you're all subscribers. Power percentage, briefly explained, here's the concept it detects. How much of your current monthly income is going toward increasing your net worth? How much of your monthly income is going towards increasing your net worth? And I find that as you try to go from knowing how much it costs to live today to knowing how much money you'll have available to you in the future. So we're talking about your present versus your future. Power percentage provides the path to get you there. So think about it this way. If my net worth is not going up because of my income, it means I'm very, very, very dependent on my income for my lifestyle. Right. Okay. So if I'm not dependent on my income for my lifestyle, what that ends up meaning is that I'm building my net worth. So how do you get from question one or or point one to point two? Well, it's point three and it's power percentage will bridge the gap for you. So again, I'll I'll direct people to that that column that explains it in greater detail. You can also Google. I mean, look, do that first. Yeah. Pete the planner, power percentage. A lot of P's, alliteration in our world. We're both writers. Pete the planner, power percentage. You'll find it. You'll love it. It'll change your life. Okay. Sounds good. It's free. It's free. I'm not selling things. All right. Number four is sort of fun, kind of. I mean, I'm not that fun. So what I think is fun is maybe not fun. When will you be out of debt? Ah. You got to know a month. That's the thing. To the month. To the month. Not the day. I'm not that tedious. (laughs) Come on. What's wrong with you? (laughs) Okay. I think. Go ahead. I know when our house is going to be paid off. Uh, But between then and... Now and then, we're probably going to have to buy another car. I mean, yeah, that but, is uh, kind of a rolling like thing. an eleven-year car loan. You know, this is this is horrible. I have to admit this now. I've never had a car loan. Okay, well then, you're I've not- always I've always just bought them with cash. But I think we, I think we need to. We probably will need a loan next time. You'd be all right. You're a big baller. You're just shelling out tens of thousands of dollars for a car. Yeah. Well, I- I'll say this. I think. Too many people don't know when they won't need as much money as they need right now. I'm going to say it again because it's a little tricky. Yeah. Too many people don't know when they won't need as much money as they need right now. I'll give you an example. I am. Uh, I turned 46 next week. I turned 46 next week. At age 53, I will need significantly less money than I need today. Because of mortgage situation, college situation. So right. I'm looking forward to 53. It can't get any balder because I know I won't have as much pressure to produce income at that point in time. 
So what some people do is they find that month and year and they go, oh, it's second honeymoon time. We're going to spend this, all this cash. That's the wrong path. The right path is, oh, this just took pressure off the amount of retirement income I need to generate. And that is a beautiful thing. Oh, that actually, okay, that makes sense. So when I am figuring out with the beginning of this process, how much money we need to live on, how much money we are living on right now, when we actually are retired, I can subtract at least $800 from that. Sure. With, with our super low interest 15 year mortgage that we refinanced, which will exactly. be done, which will be done like in six years. Okay. So we can subtract 800 bucks from that, from the living expenses. As long as you don't find new reasons to commit to regularly spending $800 a month. Right. Which is what a lot of people do. Which is something I would definitely do. Well, it sounds like if uh, Chick-fil-A opens on Sundays, you could be in trouble. <laughs> Thank God they're closed on Sunday. Oh, we drive by that place every week to church. Yeah. It, it, uh, keep, it's keeping you married. You ready for number five? Yeah. Number five is complicated, and it's one that people will dislike the most. What are the major components of your insurance plan? Okay, um, now I, I'm purposefully vague here because I, I want it to be inclusive of so many elements. Okay, so you've got, oh, we're talking about your future. You're talking about your present. And, and what if you don't get to your future? Like, what happens? Well, hmm. Because you're dead, right? I mean, I was trying to beat around the bush <laughs> here, but okay, I'm dead. I'll be dead. I'm dead. No, no, I'll be dead. Okay. I'll be dead. I mean, we'll both be dead, but I will be dead in this example. Like what's going to happen? How much money goes to where and who? And let's say I'm disabled instead of dead. Well, how how do we function? Like, Mm -hmm. I think this is a peace of mind element and a comfort element. It is, hey, I've taken care of what I need to take care of. And this one also, I don't want to get judgmental because I try not to be judgmental about people's financial lives, but this one always is, I'm always a little bit surprised when I see who I view to be thoughtful people not have this thing in place. It, it's it's a little jarring, honestly. Yeah. So not not just talking about life insurance. We'd be talking about short term or long term disability, but knowing what your what Plan B is. Yeah. I mean, I, you you could even say if you really want to be tedious here, it's like, well, what happens if you get sued because someone slips and falls in your driveway? I mean, do you have a, a an umbrella policy and what happens if you know you, you get into a car accident? What, what what's covered? Like, it takes seriously fifteen to twenty minutes to to know this, and not every year, just like fifteen to twenty minutes. And then you got to remember it, but then you'll know the basic elements of what's going on. And I, I think it's well worth fifteen to twenty minutes for a little piece of mind. Okay, and let's say someone is completely clueless about this. Where would they go to figure this out? Well, you know. I think just about everybody should actually have an insurance agent, like a property and casualty insurance agent, uh, where you call and say, look, I don't understand any of this. Explain it in real terms, because that's what they're there for. Otherwise, just buy it online. And then you got to Google it and you still don't know what you're talking about. So they can explain it to you. Okay. Uh, it is important. And then obviously, you got to know your benefits. So we just got through open enrollment in most workplaces across America. And knowing what your your insurance benefits are is a part of that annual exercise. What is your take on short-term versus long-term disability? Both. You need both. both. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm sure I've told the tale sometime uh, on the show over the last several years, but one of my dad's best friends was ended up being disabled and 
it was only because he had robust disability insurance coverage that his family was able to continue to thrive. And so often it doesn't take a lot to try to find the stories where that's not the case. And all things considered, it's not that expensive. I mean, you're you're talking about a half a percentage of your income, a one percentage of your income to ensure mm-hmm. that you don't have to live on 20% of your income. Right. And we had an episode, I don't know, about a year ago, uh, specifically about life insurance. And one of my big questions was, well, how much do I need? People want to go back to the IBJ podcast and find that. That's great. But you I think I mean, you had a fairly simple metric for that, didn't you? What was it like? Like 10x. I mean, that's the old- 10 times, 10 times income? That's the old, I mean, again, this is 20 years ago plus that that was like 10x is the standard. But it's more complicated than that. And I'm going to be a, a bit of over the top here. <laughs> At least I claimed it this time. Anyone who listens to this podcast generally has the wherewithal in means and resources to find someone to help them with this calculation. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that is the interesting part about the IBJ readership is that uh, you're arming people with information and news that can do something about it. And I, I say that respectfully, right? It's like, great. You, you should be able to figure this out. And you should calculate it every few years. Like my, my life has changed completely since the last time I bought life insurance, which was probably 10 years ago. Mm. Would you go back in and change it? You know, I mean, my, my business life is very different than it was then. But here, I've said it on that, that show too. The, the key with life insurance is that you want your assets to continue to build, to, to build out your financial plan so that when you either reach where your life insurance runs out or beyond that, you have a self-completing financial plan that there's enough assets to support you without life insurance. So mm-hmm. that's on track. So I don't think... I don't think I need to redo it right now other than potentially for business purposes, which okay. now means half the life insurance uh, producers in central Indiana are now going to call me to sell me business life insurance. I'm really <laughs> glad I said that. Which so is now, I welcome your call. Right. So now I'm armed with these five five bits of knowledge. And I want to run through them one time, one time, and then just and, yeah. and then you can ask this, this question that's going to change everyone's life. Number one, how much does it cost to live each month? How much money? Uh, number two, how much money, monthly income, will your current retirement plan produce at retirement? Number three, what is your power percentage? Number four, when will you be out of debt? Number five, what are the major components of your insurance plan? I'm arguing if you walk around knowing these five things, you will have the confidence you need to succeed. Okay. that's what That was my question. Confidence is so underrated when it comes to financial planning. So underrated. What happens is people find false confidence in like an income amount that is neat to them, or they find false confidence in a big round number, like a million dollars. Confidence comes in knowing, not just seeing a number that seems relatively neat, you know? So I think these five things round that out. Okay. Well, this is good. This I'll, I'll stew on this with my wife over the weekend. Do you use Chick-fil-A sauce or what's the sauce you choose? <laughs> I think we're making white chili this weekend, so that'll be okay. a good topic of conversation. Do we need to meet again before the holidays, before uh, the end of the year? I, mean, I could come up with some predictions for 2024. I would like to do predictions. I like predictions because, I don't know if you know this, I'm terrible at predictions. <laughs> I know you are. So I was going to break out the ones from last year. We got to do that. Yeah, let's do that. We'll do a show. We'll break out the ones from last year. Oh, my gosh. 
that's a great show. Yeah. Okay. And then yeah, I mean, but here's the thing: if they're if they're so bad and the show isn't entertaining, people are going to stop listening to your show. I've given them so many reasons to not listen to this show. That's true. That's true. I think it's people just sort of sleep sleepwalk through it, and I appreciate it. This was fun. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. I hope you guys be great. You guys going to uh, stay at home? Go somewhere? It's my Super Bowl. I, I cook for two days for everybody. Okay, dude. Uh, we'll set it up for uh, late December. I'll be there. All right, pal. Thank you so much. Thank you. My thanks again to Pete Dunn. And folks, before you get on with the rest of your week, there are a few stories in the latest issue of IBJ I want to bring to your attention. First up, Stephen Simon is expected to become majority owner of the Indiana Pacers after his father, longtime owner Herb Simon, passes away. But as a minority owner, Steve Simon already has become active in Indy's entrepreneurial community and has followed his passions for civic engagement and philanthropy. IBJ's Mickey Shuey has the story. Also in this week's issue, Dave Lindquist has the story behind the transformation of the Crystal Dahan estate into a retail palace stocked with high-end home furnishings and featuring a restaurant, wine bar, and design studio. And Susan Orr explains how Indiana colleges are using analytics to try to boost graduation rates. Again, you can find these stories in the latest print edition of IBJ or online at ibj.com. And thanks again for making time this week for the IBJ podcast. A quick programming note, we're taking a week off for Thanksgiving, but the podcast will be back on December the 4th. Until then, have a joyful, safe, and restful holiday. Holiday.